All right. Well, welcome and good morning. This is Eric Rollins, the Constitutionalist, here on 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town. Today, we're going to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly as to the California June primary. The ugliest part is how little participation. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to introduce my guest, but I do have a couple events. Uh, tonight, June 9th, the Clovis Chapter of Constitutionalists for California is meeting. So this is a Thursday, June 9th at 6.30 p.m. at the American Legion Hall. Um, we're going to be discussing this same issue, trying to figure out, okay, which candidates are worth putting time behind and trying to support and which ones do we just have to hold our nose and go, well, I guess they're better than nothing. Because we got some of both of that. June 11th, there's a Trump flag rally. Um, I think that's an interesting event. I, I Part of me is torn. I, I support Trump, but did they need to put Trump? How about just an American freedom rally? Um, I don't think Trump's bad. I generally liked his policy, but he also came with some baggage. And I think that if we were to just focus on a flag rally that supported American ideals, you know, that's more important to me, but you know, I'm not saying something bad about Trump. I'm just, maybe we should think about how we label things. June 12th, there's a medical freedom. Oh, I did not give a time and a place for that Trump rally. Um, that is Saturday, June 11th from 10 to 12 at Shaw and Clovis. So that's in front of uh, the Sierra Vista mall. June 12th, the next day, there's a medical freedom rally from 2 to 4. All of those are important ways to go out and get involved aside from voting, rallying the troops, trying to get people to be excited and defend freedom is important. With that being said, I don't want to just stand on a soapbox. I like to have real discussions that move people towards action. My guest, Eric Olson, give me a little bit of background. Oh, boy, a little bit of background. Um, let's see here. From the Valley originally, uh, left, did a whole bunch of time in the Army, helicopter pilot, deployed a few times. Um, through some circumstances, came back to California. Uh, been here for um, pushing 10 years now. Um, own a business here in Fresno and just trying to be involved and make a difference uh, where I can and, um, you know, help out, hopefully wake up a few people so we can get above this 16% voter participation. And our county was right on par with the rest of the state. Actually, a little bit lower than the rest of the state average. It was its state was 16. Last I checked, we were 13 or 14. Yeah. Some moments of hope. Um, and I'm not going to go over all of this, but it was a big deal that San Francisco decided that their DA actually went too far left. That's a pivotal moment. San Francisco saw something as that you went too far left. I wasn't sure that was ever going to happen. Uh, you know, it's um, it's amazing. Um, but I think that it's also there. If there's one thing you can look back through history and say is that these progressive areas, San Francisco, New York City, a lot of those, they go too far when you have total control like we have gone through in California but specifically the Bay Area, they've had total control forever. And when you My just, lifetime. Yeah, when you just push and push and push and push and there is no check on anything that is done, 
they push and they push too far. And eventually enough people wake up and just say, how did we get here? Well, I know how we got here, but they wake up and that's the important thing. It's not just that they push. Regardless of side, absolute power corrupts. Yep. So no check, no balance. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's one of the things that we're so missing. I mean, this isn't even a schooling episode, but I mean, American civics, Mm -hmm. the check on power and what that really means with the three branches of government. You know, people don't know what the limits and the extent of the power of the judicial is supposed to be, what the limits and extent of the legislature are supposed to be. I mean, that's all been lost. That check on power is something that we should have in place that we definitely do not. Well, yeah, but people have have to make time for their TikTok videos. So how could you possibly study things like that? I mean, yeah, YouTube really draws you in, right? Uh, yeah, TikToking and Instagramming and whatever else. I want to point out, though, in all of those places, there are educational opportunities. What if one in five of your videos you watched were educational? How much better informed would you be? If you could find them. Um, There's actually, I don't know on TikTok because I don't spend much time there. But on YouTube, there are absolutely a ton of educational shows. There are. I think the tough part, and this, I think, dovetails directly into the conversation about the election. For every one great educational rooted in reality and fact video, how many are not rooted in fact? And I think that's the tough part is for people, and I talk to people all the time that are like, you know, hey, I'm just, I'm, I'm seeing what's going on. I've never been involved. I don't even know what I don't know. Where do I get started? For those people out there, you know, probably part of the 84% that didn't vote, well, the 84% of the 50% that are actually, that are actually uh, signed up to vote, where do I start? Because I have no basis for this. That's the tough part is where do you go to actually start learning what the reality is? I think for me, it's the basics of the Constitution. So I would go to something, something like Hillsdale College and just follow what, what they have to say about the Constitution. They have free online courses. All you have to do is give them an email. They yep. make you take a test. Well, they don't make you take a test. You know, there is a test. There's a little bit of feedback. Um, it's, it's an interesting way to learn a little bit about civics. That's a great place to start because most people don't even know those basics. Yeah. And, you know, I've I've become uh, maybe, you know, as I just get older or something like that, that I've found that when you go to the source document, read the Constitution. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was literally written by folks that on average had about four years of schooling to roughly an eighth grade level of education. This stuff's not hard to understand. Now, I mean, I will be the first to say that their eighth grade level of uh, education is probably more academically and um, thought-provokingly rigorous than probably a master's, definitely a PhD nowadays. However, that being said, the stuff is pretty easy to understand. Um, Read the Federalist Papers. Mm -hmm. You know, read Bastiat's The Law. You know, read some of these things that were the founding, the foundational documents to where our country came from. That goes a long ways to figuring out, oh, wait, I've never heard this. Mm -hmm. 
well, but it wasn't taught in school. You have to, to, to reach out and try to hear the rest of the story. You must self-educate. Yeah. If that is, if, I mean, I think that will be a theme for everything we talk about today. You must go self-educate. We cannot count on institutions, organizations, traditional or otherwise, to say, this is what you need to do. We have to go educate ourselves. Everything from candidates to the Constitution to civics to everything out there, we need to start doing that. We need to take responsibility for ourselves again. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. Uh, one of my heroes is Thomas Sowell, Shelby Steele, um, currently in, a, in the middle of a Shelby Steele book. Um, I think those are great opportunities. Look, books are essentially free. You can go to the library. There are plenty of opportunities to educate yourself. If you're not somebody that is inclined to read, there are quite a few podcasts. You know, you can hear both the left, the right, and the middle pretty easily while driving. Yep. Get an Audible account for two bucks a month, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, you can hear a lot of these things online on YouTube while you're driving. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if you don't want to do YouTube because they censor a lot, like my earlier story, Rumble. Yep. Yeah. And, and there are other platforms. It is a growing world. It is. It absolutely is. I would also encourage people to look internationally and see how does the BBC, who is left, but how do they deal with issues? How does Sky News from Australia deal with issues? Um, there's a couple different ones out of India. They give us a different perspective in how outsiders are viewing the insanity that's happening in America. Yeah, it, uh, people think I'm, I'm odd, well, for many reasons. However, one of them is my primary news source is the Daily Mail out of the no. UK. And the thing is, is that you can see the slant. The slant is very easy, but it's not the slant from an American perspective. And so the um, the Overton window of American news, whether it's uh, MSNBC, CNN, Fox, whatever, they're reporting certain things that are directing the narrative their direction. Any international news source doesn't have that um, Overton window of what they're actually presenting, no matter the slant. So you see things there that you don't see, whether it's quote-unquote left, right, center, whatever it is on the American news sources. Um, when I was uh, overseas the second time, we actually had up, because we had to monitor the feeds, we had Al Jazeera, Al Arabiya, um, CNN World, all of those, BBC World. I learned a whole lot mm -hmm. that what we get through our news is is slanted, is biased, but it's also not reported or over-reported to, to shape the narrative, and that's a big problem. Right. I th there's a whole lot of shaping the narrative or ignoring, you know, playing no evil monkeys, there's nothing here to see yep. when it's a very real issue. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Getting to governor, um, you know, my candidate lost badly. Looks like she came in fourth, but maybe third because ballots are still coming in and it's very close. Jenny Ray LaRue, your candidate, came in at a 0.5%. Yep. And he's a good guy. He is. He really is. And the candidate who got it was the GOP endorsed, a guy from the middle of Lassen County. I mean, that's where I grew up. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Shasta County. I know the area very well. I was up there this past week 
talking to people, what do you think about him? No one had anything good to say. That doesn't surprise me, but somehow his wife managed to find $40,000 and give it to the California GOP two days before the endorsement convention, and magically he got it. Yep. Yeah. Funny how that works. Um, No, it's, I mean, really, this this is, you know, one portion of this problem that we have is, you know, when we were talking earlier about educate yourself, we, um, I don't remember if it was Adams, Jefferson, one of the founding fathers that said, um, we have a republic if you can keep it. I think that was Franklin. Was it Franklin? Anyhow, I mean, we have, as a public, we have abdicated our authority. A republic is a a constitutional representative form of government. We are the ones with the power. We're the ones that we're, you know, in, in the in the declaration, the the government was established to basically take a portion of our power and run it for the people. That is why we are a republic. And so we're not doing that. No, we have um, basically checked out. Um, I think the the voter registration, the voter participation proves that. But when I was going through the numbers, because like you said, both of our both of our candidates did not fare all that well. There's some glimmers of hope. But as I'm looking at the numbers. Within about five percent or less, it was a straight endorsed ticket vote down the line. Whoever was endorsed by the in endorsed by the Democrat Party got if Democrats are about 52% of the registered voters, typically they got 53 to 56, 57% of the vote. Republicans, 20% of the electorate, they got typically 15 to 17, depending on the, the race. That means that virtually all of the people that voted, now, once again, small minority, and we need to come back to that, but virtually all of the people that voted, voted straight party endorsed candidates down the line they didn't think about it they didn't research it they didn't do like us and get to know candidates personally yeah i got to know of my endorsed 10 or endorsed 14 i got to know 10 of them personally yep and all of them i met at least twice absolutely some of them i interviewed a couple times yeah and i mean and we've we've had the conversation a lot you and I came down on different sides of a couple of candidates about who is the best, but that wasn't for lack of trying. Mm-hmm. There, that was, you know, whether it is going to the local school board or whether it is, I mean, you and I both got to meet in person multiple times, candidates for governor. Mm-hmm. I got to meet seven. Yeah. This is not something that is out of the reach for the normal person, but you've got to make the effort and do it. And that's what's missing is um, I I was having a a conversation this morning about the fallout from the election. And what really struck me is we have to stop looking to X, whatever that X is, whether it is um, you mentioned Trump earlier, Mm -hmm. whether it's Trump, whether it's your congressional pick, whether it's your governor pick. No, we have to be the change. Yes, We have to be the ones that stop looking to them to save us. Mm -hmm. The person that goes into these offices is a tool. They're 
their title is representative. They are representing us. What we're doing is we're having this huge food fight in the primary about this is the best guy, this is the best guy, this is the best guy. And then we say, oh, we have to all come together or I'm not supporting this person or whatever. And we get to the primary and we hold our nose and vote for, you know, Mitt Romney. And they all go back to Washington and we say, all right, we don't have to do this again for two, four or six years. No, no, we should we should be always trying to find the next candidate. And we need to be talking to our existing candidates. Mm -hmm. I I have I I it will not surprise anyone. I am not a fan of Jim Costa. What? I know it's crazy. Is Um, anybody? Look, I've met a lot of Democrats that vote for him, but don't like him. Yeah, I say, I mean, I've never met one that liked him. According according to the uh, the returns, about fifty four percent of the voting population likes him, but um, it doesn't matter if he is in power. We still need to be fighting to get in front of him to tell him exactly what's going on. We also, at the same time, need to be organizing the troops against him. If that's where you if that's where you end up leaning, like most people, from what I can tell. But we are not doing that. That that two year stretch between elections, we're not doing. We're going back and we're death strolling on social media. We're you know watching cat videos, whatever else. And then all of a sudden, you know, three weeks before the next primary, oh, we have a great guy. Let's go support him. And guess what? He wins again. Yeah, but we should be talking to to friends and family all the time about these issues that actually matter. We should. And rather we should. than just whatever the latest thing is. Yeah. And you said it exactly right. We should be talking about the issues, mm-hmm. not the people. That's one of the things that drives me crazy with, and same thing, I mean, Trump did some great stuff in office. He did some really bad stuff while he was in office too. We need to stop talking about this person is the be-all, end-all. Well, this but that's issue, a monarchy. Oh, tell me about it. That's where we're going. But or oligarchy, more likely. But we need to go with this issue. This is where we need to focus our efforts, Um, not this person, because a person is always going to let us down. That is on some issue. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There 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 has been one one perfect person in history. He's not he's not running for office right now. I'll guarantee you that. So, darn it, <laughs> that would be an interesting race right there. Imagine the smear campaign. Yeah, but um, the we've got to look at these issues. We have to, as a voting populace, find where we need to focus our issues and go after those issues. If the person who represents us doesn't support that issue, okay, start getting people to go in daily, talk about what the effects are. Well, push a, it. A true servant of the people, which is hopefully what we elect, would listen. Now, I get we have a swamp. We have the fact that there's money involved, and because of that money, they're obligated to listen to the people with money. But, you know, um, that doesn't mean that politicians don't listen to pressure. Yeah, absolutely. And We're just about to a break. I want to go ahead and plug a movie that talks about essentially the role of government and the relationship between people and their government or what it should be 
That is by Chris Ann Hall. It's called The Non-Compliance Movie. You can watch it for free. It is totally worth your time. We're going to go ahead and take a break. This is Eric Rollins, The Constitutionalist, here on 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town. Welcome back. This is Eric Rollins, The Constitutionalist, here on 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town. And today I am joined by another Eric, the Eric and Eric Show, Eric Olson. And we're having a lively discussion about kind of the root of the problem, why people are not participating. Now, this last election, there was something that was very hopeful for me. We had a whole lot of grassroots candidates that believe in American freedom that stepped up. Most of them did not succeed. But a whole lot of them have gotten better at this. For instance, Daniel Mercury's now run twice in the recall, actually three times. He ran in a local race, the recall, and the governor. I don't know that he's ready for governor, but he's ready for a position. He's smart. He's articulate. I would say the same thing about my choice of candidate, though I kind of think she's ready for governor if she could get the support. Um. You know, Jenny Ray is is smart and articulate and has a reasonable message and a plan for fixing things. Now, we didn't get either one of those, but we have developed a bench for the grassroots. And California's in a deep hole. If we thought in one election or one person we were going to be saved, we're kidding ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that... um you know, I think that this, uh, you know, we can say that the um, the uninformed electorate is, you know, all of those people. But we've all been worked over by politics for the last, you know, 30, 40, 50 years also. It's very common to think, well, we need to get a new president. We need to get a new senator. We need to get a new governor. Really, the power is local. And I think that's something that we need to start going through is I looked on on my ballot. There's 15 different people running in the high the high level offices. The local offices, there's one, maybe two. Yeah. And, you know, I know that being a uh, city council, being a school board, being a whatever locally is not the, you know, big headline grabbing position. No glory. Yeah. But. That's a position that can make a lot of difference. You know, right now we're coming up in in Fresno, new sheriff. We need to all develop the relationship right now where we are talking with our new sheriff every single day to say this is what is important to us. Um, I mean, you look at the stats in Fresno. I mean, I've seen anywhere from. 75% increase in murders year on year to 250, 350% increase in violent crime. You don't think the sheriff's race is important? We need to continue now our duty as citizens in this republic to get to know our elected officials and to hold them accountable to what is important to us while they're in office, not just when they're running. Well, how many people even know who their elected representatives are? That's that's a problem. So the first thing is you have no voice at the table. Yep. They're not very inclined to hear you if you do not have a relationship 
with your elected representatives. They need to hear from you. Yep. Yeah, and and I think that that, you know, do we do we have a whole pile of swamp creatures in Sacramento and D.C.? On both sides. Absolutely, 100% both sides. I would even venture to say on all sides because I'm quite positive that there are some Green Party candidates that are swamp creatures and and libertarians and and, they're less likely to be, but, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Bernie's an independent, but he's totally a swamp creature at the same time. 100%, 100%. And so, but these folks are being left alone. They have, I mean you know, 30, 40 years in Congress or the Senate of not having to listen to their constituents at all. They're worried about where's my donation coming from so I can get my war chest so that I can put out enough ads to win the next election no matter what. Mm -hmm. That is us not doing our job. I said it, I mean, it's no surprise to anyone. I, once again, don't like Jim Costa, but I have the phone number of his chief of staff. And yeah, this is something. If you knew it off the top of your head, it'd be okay to share it publicly because that's public information. I don't, but I could definitely look at my phone. Um, (laughs) But anyhow, no, but this is something, I mean, I'm, it's not like I'm, you know, this super connected political person. I just went out and found these things and started conversations and, you know, I and it's no secret to any anyone that know either of us that my my guy for a Senate candidate was James Bradley. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't ever say anything Absolutely. bad, except he didn't catch fire. Yep. And but and that's my, why I looked elsewhere. I would not have otherwise. Yeah. And but I think the whole thing that initially got me to be such a supporter of James was um, before we talked about any policies, any positions, anything like that, is in my conversations with him, he listened. That's what we don't have. And it all of a sudden, I, I even before that, I hadn't even got through the whole, I hadn't worked this through in my own mind. How many times do we have our politicians and how we make this, this is how we pick the right one. That politician gave a great speech and man, they're raising money. I'm like, but that's not what a representative is supposed to do. A representative is supposed to listen. And so this is what I've been going through during this primary cycle is I've been reframing my own mind. Who are the candidates that are going to listen, that are going to listen to us instead of the moneyed special interests, as I call it, and moneyed special interests, you better believe that's on both sides. Mm -hmm. And it might not be the moneyed special interest that gives money, but it's the moneyed special interest that says, yes, I support, that has all of the money then go to them. This is the system that makes it so that all of our voices are being drowned out. And frankly, we're letting it because that's just, that's what we're doing. We're looking for the wrong things in our candidates. And for me, that's what has me hopeful is that we're starting to see candidates that are going around the state, not giving speeches, but instead meeting with people and listening. That I like. Uh, I know for a fact that my governor candidate did did that a lot. Yep. She gave speeches too, but she also gave a tremendous amount of time to just meeting and listening. Yep, I, I heard that from my contacts up in the North State. By the way, your governor candidate spoke highly of my governor candidate. 
Yep. And, absolutely. and she, she seemed to like him also. Yeah. To be fair. Yep. Yeah. After, after meeting with him, after meeting with Daniel a couple times, I don't know how you could not like him. He's just a good, good guy. And mm-hmm. I thought he was wrong on a couple approaches that weren't constitutional, but generally a good guy. Well, and I think that and if that, there weren't other choices, that that was my issue. Yeah, and I I think that on that note is that I think that also, and I I talked about this over in Clovis a couple times in the run up to the election, but we need to change. We just need to change our approach in a lot of different ways. I think that um, those of us that would be you know accused of being the traditional right, whatever that means nowadays, is. We've been playing kind of nicer than nicer than anyone would ever allow us to be. And we need fighters now. I think that's one of the big things that when I was looking at the folks that I was supporting going into this is who has the track record of fighting? Because, you know, I think that a great example is San Francisco, Sanctuary City, counter to federal law. And what did they do in San Francisco? They just said, it's counter to federal law. Okay. And they just did it anyhow. And they looked at their authority and said, we can do this. No one challenged it. No one did anything. But if they'd done done something on the right, our state government would have had a fit. Would have had a fit, but done what? I'm not sure because Atwater got away with it. And that's calling themselves a COVID sanctuary city. Yeah, and and that's that's my point. Um, when I was uh, when I was yelling at one of the school boards here in locally, um, they said that the reason that they couldn't do anything against the state mandates is because they got COVID funds and they would have to give them back or shut down or the state would shut down the school. But at and, least they gave you an honest answer. Yeah, and that they were told by their council that they would be held personally liable. Now both of those are absolute lies. That's what Fresno Unified is using to support what they're doing. Those are absolute lies. So I called them on it. I said, okay, you mean to tell me the state of California is going to shut down a public school district, find buses that we don't have enough of in the region, and bus all of these students to overcrowded schools around the valley? You no, think what they do is do they, that? they take it over, but it never seems to happen. It never you can, happens. You can – For instance, Fresno Unified has been floating along in the bottom 5% in the nation. Bottom 2%. Okay, sure. Um, And about bottom 5% in the state for large school districts. Yep. And they only threaten to take over certain schools, but the state really doesn't want to do it. And that's the thing that what what I talk about when, when I was talking to people about fighting is call them on it. What are they going to do is I mean, is is Gavin going to come down to Fresno and take over the Fresno Unified School District? No, he can't replace duly elected school board members. You can't do that because they're elected to the people. Their charter actually says that their only responsibility is to be responsive to the people in their district. Not to Sacramento, not to Washington, not to the teachers' union, not to anything else. Well, and also they swear an oath to both the California and national constitution. Yep. And so all of these threats that are keeping people from doing their job, 
we're going to do this. Okay, try it. What? Truthfully, try it. What is the state of California going to do to your school district? Well, nothing. Uh, and another example of that is, you know, we're sitting in a city that actively engaged in what I consider to be COVID tyranny, picked winners and losers. But just over the border in Clovis, where I live, um, the local representatives shut us down for a month and a half, essentially six weeks. It wasn't exactly that, but essentially. Yep. And then they said, reopen as long as it's not egregious. And they purposely left it very open-ended like that. If it's not egregious, reopen. Now, how can we help you get back to work? Yep. So we suffered. It was just totally a tale of two cities. We suffered much less because we had better local elected representatives. So thank you to Clovis and shame on you, Fresno. Looks like you picked the same people that believed in tyranny. Hmm. Yep. Or actually most of you didn't even pick because most of you didn't even vote. Yeah. And and that's where not not making a choice is making a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, and I get it, you know, this is the this is the party that for years and years and years, you know, bad big business, bad big business. But, you know, when I'm working on the house, I'm trying to go to national hardware or cobs down by my house and they're both forced closed. Mm-hmm. But I can go to Lowe's and Home Depot. Yep. And I mean that that kind of hypocrisy, but it was all driven by this fear and lack of standing up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what you said is exactly right. Clovis versus Fresno with COVID. Locally makes a difference for us. You know, if we have Jim Costa or whoever else up there, it's not going to make a difference to us on COVID tyranny here in Fresno. But a city council, a sheriff. Those will absolutely affect us day in and day out. I would contend that the two most important people in our county that protected our freedoms were our DA, Lisa Smithcamp, and our sheriff, Margaret Mims. I agree. And the reason they were important is because they went, wait a minute, I have real crimes, and you're telling me I'm supposed to enforce the law on something that all people are doing is lawfully trying to make a living and exercise their rights that are absolutely enumerated. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I think that, I think that those are both great examples and I've used them before as when, when Lisa said that she wasn't going to prosecute COVID infractions, that's where that position, that local position is so important because that took all the teeth out of everything. The city council, that's balance of powers. That's mm-hmm. all of those things. The city council says, you have to do this. You have to close your business, mask up, blah, 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 blah. And she can, in her duly elected position, representing her constituents, say, no. And that's what we need more of, is people that just say, no, I'm not going to do it. Well, I don't know that you use the word fighter. I don't know that we always need a fighter. We need somebody that will stand up. You don't necessarily have to have a tone that is always fighting. You can make your point and be absolutely steadfast in your position without fighting. If you're combative and fighting, sometimes that's useful. Most of the time, all it does is turn people off. 
Yeah, and and I use fighting in a, in a much fighting as the opposite of doing nothing. Yeah, and so that's I I think that what Lisa did is exactly right. She just said no, and that is a stance that frankly was more um, aggressively for her constituents than basically anyone else locally, with the exception possibly of Margaret Mims. That is standing up, and maybe that's a better term than fighting, standing up for your constituents. And, um, I mean, a great founding principle of the country is interposition. You elect someone to interpose themselves between the higher level of government and you. And it goes into subsidiarity and all that kind of stuff. But that's what she did. Mm-hmm. And that is standing up. That is actually taking a stand for your constituents. And for that, once again, I, I have applauded But, but not just for times. your constituents. For liberty. Yep. For those enumerated rights. Rule of law. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah she did her job. And I hate to, I hate to say that in nowadays that's uh that is standing up and fighting doing your job but she did her job yeah yeah that is a little sad i wanted to just look at a, a few of the local races um, one of the bright or not local we'll do a state first one of the bright points was uh bonnie chin seems to be a good guy the only republican that got more votes than any of the democrats on a statewide office now they're going to a runoff we don't know what'll happen uh, another thing that was interesting, except for um, superintendent of public instruction, and that one is a, a maybe because it's too close to call and votes are still rolling in. There's a Republican running in every spot. You know, we're a jungle primary. In previous years, there were many times when it was only two Democrats that d- were decided. Now, I'm not saying that the two party system is ideal, but the one party system of Democrat only in California is awful. Yeah, it is. And I think that, you know, for me, all of this goes back to the turnout is we have to. um, And we were talking before we went on the air. I was over in um, I was over at uh, at Cross City Frappe House last night getting some work done. Overheard two gentlemen talking about how the their friends had just stayed home and not voted. They it was a combination of I don't have someone to vote for. And I don't think it really matters anyhow. And what about those local races? Uh Uh-huh. Well, and I think and when you come right back to it, that's what we need to do. We're starting to see some energy, some energy. We're starting to see people that are breaking out of their shell. That's what we need to be working on right now. This primary, it went okay in a couple of places, bad in a whole lot of places. But we now have that next section where we need to be bringing the people that are just disenfranchised back to saying my vote actually does matter. Mm-hmm. And that is truthfully, that is, that is nonpartisan. There are, there are issues right now that none of the parties are talking about this whole crime, not letting, you know, not letting criminals out crazy stuff like that. No one's talking about safety. No one's talking about our schools. No one's talking about the the mental health disaster that we have that has come off of two and a half years of COVID tyranny. Nobody establishment is. Correct. Nobody establishment is. We're going to go ahead and take another break. 
This is Eric Rollins, the Constitutionalist, here on 1550 KXCX, the best talk in town. This is Eric Rollins, the Constitutionalist, here on 1550 KXCX, the best talk in town. Today I am joined by Eric Olson, and we are discussing the fallout of that June primary, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the few glimmers of hope. Well, as we wind down towards the bottom, I want to point out some real hopeful things. I truly believe some exciting candidates emerged. Um, I didn't vote for Sean Collins for governor, but I'll tell you what, that man is sharp and articulate, and I truly hope he runs for something else. Um, Your candidate, good guy. My candidate, Jenny Ray LaRue, I really like her. Um, Who else did I like? I like a lot of things about Anthony Trevino. As we we go down ticket, um, David Giglio, first time he ran, he ran for Congress. Um, He was kind of sideswiped last minute by um, a local farmer, but it looks like we've got somebody that's, that's all right. That came, jumped in at the last minute, but you know, thank you, David, Um, Amanda Fleming out towards Firebaugh first time candidate um, really stepped up. We have some potential people that had zero name recognition and it's really hard to get beyond almost starting from zero name recognition, but they're providing hope for the future. The other part of that is we now have multiple grassroots groups that are passionate about defending freedom and, and this American dream. What we need to do is be organized. Yeah. And I think that really that is the, you know, that's the $64,000 question. What does that look like? Um, well, you know, it's, it's hurting wild feral cats, so it's going to take some real work. Well, and if, you know, if history is any indication, which it always is, you know, look at one of the biggest, most successful grassroots organizations in a really a generation, the Tea Party. Mm -hmm. The Tea Party came in and changed everything and then went away, got co-opted, got splintered, got mainstreamed, got whatever else. There's still remnants out there. But it was a flash in the pan and it went away. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not completely away. It's not there's completely away. There's still a contingent away. there. There is. In but California. Even, I can't speak to other states very much. But. Yeah. But there's even, there, there's the, uh, there's the oh, I'm the Tea Party. No, I'm the Tea Party. And they believe in to, two totally different things. So I think the tough part is, is they rose to prominence because it was based off of an ideal is we need to continue with these organizations based on ideals. I mean, the most popular and powerful organizations out there, the medical freedom, the school choice, you know, all of these grassroots, the mama bears, those kind of grassroots, they're doing great job. They're motivating people on issues that speak to them. We need to keep that up. What we need to be cautious about is as soon as it becomes a structure, then money comes into play, and now we're moving towards what happened to, I'll say, some of the Tea Party sides that went establishment. We're looking at GOP. GOP comes in and co-ops just about everything it touches, and we need to find the way to keep the motivation at the local level and locally on the issues without getting into this structure where it becomes unresponsive to the people. Because that's why people are staying home. 
they're looking at what's going on and saying, what I do doesn't matter. That's what the guys over at uh, over at Frappe were saying. What I do doesn't matter. We need to be responsive locally, and I think that's where these this bench we have, and that's where these grassroots organizations are really going to come into play. Is continuing to work over the next you know two, four, six years to really get the folks that are disenfranchised to start playing a part in our political system. Totally agree with that. And that's a tough thing because it's hard to get people to take the first step because, let's face it, it's work. I lead a group. It's a pain in the butt. Uh-huh. Um, and yet I wouldn't not do it because it's calling just like this. This costs me money. I don't get paid for this show. I actually pay the studio for the for the time, and I'm okay with that. Uh, we're winding down, so I want to kind of go over some things that have to do with hope. One of them has to do with what our president called uh, Jim Crow, Jim Eagle, Jim uh, Jim Crow 2.0, what happened in Georgia where they required voter ID and they limited the amount of time that you had to vote and they limited the mail-in ballots. And our president said, oh, well, that will just suppress the vote. And then he insultingly said things about people of different skin colors that couldn't get IDs. And, and I think that's, frankly, pretty racist. Agree. Um, and then we look at what happened in Georgia. And they had record turnout because suddenly those people began to believe that their vote mattered. Absolutely. And I mean, we don't have to go to Georgia right here locally. I was traveling last week, so I couldn't vote in person. I filled out my ballot, signed it, signed it, sealed it, gave it to my wife. She put it in the box at Fresno High. I've checked for the last two days. It has not even been checked in as being counted. That doesn't surprise me. Doesn't no. surprise me either. There's a little secret about that. All When you can look it up, it doesn't mean that your ballot was actually counted. It means that they acknowledge that they received your ballot. They haven't even done that. And, and that's, you know, it's this this stuff is not 4D chess. I, I love, you know, that the uh, the speech that the president gave about this is, you know, making people realize their vote counts is actually making less people go to the all of this kind of and it's so twisted. Um, you know, if, if you torture a phrase long enough, you can make it say anything. But. That's those are the type of things that we can work on locally at the ground level for the next two years is we need to get all the votes counted. We need to I mean, we need to do even if we can't conquer the Leviathan in Sacramento, we can work here locally to start strengthening our laws. We can go through lawsuits. My guy, James, he is involved in an election lawsuit right now to make it so that you actually have to. Crazy. Make sure the vote is by someone that's allowed to vote. I mean, it just um, that's confusing. Weird stuff like that. So we can do all of these things and we can fight through it. Um, I also want to point out, you know, this isn't exactly Fresno, but in Kings County, I think there was a moment of hope. I interviewed both the DA candidates and Keith Fagundes won't like me saying this, but I think it's a good thing that he lost. Um, I think that the rule of law is well served by Sarah Hacker being elected. You know, John Zanoni coming on, I, I all indications, and I've met his wife, 
by the way, his wife's great. And if he has a woman like that that's going to make him toe the line, I am pretty hopeful that he's going to toe the line. Um, the number of people that when I went to a fundraiser dinner that I sat with that were uh, of myriad backgrounds, it wasn't just prosecutors. There were defense attorneys that were there to support him. There were people from the Fresno PD that you would think would have chosen Mark Salazar. So I'm, I'm very hopeful for that one. Any reason you th- you think this is all worth doing it? Because people are, and we're winding down, people are kind of depressed. Yeah, I think that, you know, this is, this is what our government is. We have to be involved. We have got to fat, dumb, and lazy being, you know, stuck on YouTube or whatever else. You know what? It's fun to be able to say, hey, I'm going to meet this afternoon. I'm taking a couple of minutes off, and I'm going to go meet with a governor candidate. We're going to talk politics. Um, It's fun to be on a call with a Senate candidate and General Michael Flynn going through politics. Those are fun Mm -hmm. things. And we need to reprogram ourselves away from cat video scrolling to, you know, we're the ones responsible for our future. We need to take that responsibility seriously. Absolutely. Well, I thank you for sharing this time with me. We are basically winding down. Um, I think that freedom and responsibility go hand in hand. And we've only demanded one part of it and lived off the fun part, but we've ignored responsibility. 100%. I thank you for spending this time with me today. Thank you. I think that's a wrap. This is Eric Rollins, the Constitutionalist, here on 1550 KXCX, the best talk in town.